Salvation Now podcast, where you'll discover and be equipped with keys from the Word of God that will pave the way to God's unlimited blessing in your life. Now, here's your host, Evangelist T.J. Malkanji. Prayer and fasting. Before I move on to anything else, I would love to start up by reading Matthew chapter 6. Listen to what Jesus said about fasting and prayer. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 1. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. So verse 1 through 4, Jesus is talking about when you give. When you give, you should not be doing it publicly, announcing to everyone what you're giving, how much you're giving, where you're giving. Do it in secret. And your father who sees what you've done in secret will himself reward you openly. Then verse 5, and when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they might be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. So I want to... Let me let me just finish. But you, when you pray, go into your room. When you've shut the door, pray to your father who's in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. I want to pay special attention to that. I want to briefly pause there. The Bible says when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. Don't pray wrong. Don't pray in a, in a misinformed manner. Don't just pray to pray because the Bible says there are people who pray wrong and they have their reward. That's their reward. They're, they're not going to receive anything. They'll have praise from men and that'll be it. James chapter 4 says, when you pray, first of all, it goes on, it firstly starts by saying that um, many people do not have what they want or need because they pray not ye have not because you ask not but then it moves on so problem number one why people don't receive answers to prayer is because they don't pray they just simply talk about prayer they hear about prayer they might even listen to sermons on prayer they might even have many prayer books on their shelves behind them well let me tell you something you can have a cookbook in your in your kitchen you can have many cookbooks in your kitchen but if all you ever do is read cookbooks and study cookbooks and study to memorize recipes but don't actually take up utensils and 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 ingredients to assemble and put the ingredients together to produce what the cookbook promises then all you'll have is reading material and that's how a lot of people treat prayer they read a lot about prayer they talk a lot about prayer they study prayer but they just don't pray and the value in prayer is not in knowing about the product of prayer the value in prayer is actually praying just like the value of having a cookbook is not just having having a cookbook it's in using the cookbook to make a meal that'll benefit your household and so i want this broadcast to generate a hunger in you that's not just gonna you're not just gonna leave this place being brain puffed up by the knowledge of what prayer can do but a hunger and a desperation will rise from within you to pray to press in remember the bible says ever since john the baptist came preaching the kingdom of heaven has been pressed 
into. So good preaching will cause people to have a pressing in their spirit, to press into the things of God. I don't want to just know about healing. I don't want to just know about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I don't want to just know about prosperity. I don't want to just know about peace that God has to offer this generation. I want to press in. I want to take hold of the things that Christ's blood has been uh, shed for me to have. That's why Paul said, you're to fight the good fight of faith and lay hold of those things which God through Christ has laid hold of for you. There's all kinds of spiritual blessings. Ephesians 1 verse 3 says, giving thanks unto the Father who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Well, that's great. We can have every spiritual blessing at our disposal, but if we don't know how to access those things and we don't know how to retrieve and acquire those things, then it will do us no practical good. And that's what we have at large in a lot of places, in a lot of nations. There's a lot of Christians who know a lot about God, but they don't know how to walk in the power of God to actually produce results that are supernatural in their life that show this world like a billboard our God is not a theory our God's not a philosophy our God is not a theology our God is the king of kings the lord of lords the soon coming king the one who reigns forever and ever who's not an idol who has eyes to see but uh, but, uh, eyes that do not see he's not an idol that he has ears that cannot hear he's not an idol that has a hand but it cannot save he is the one true living God who has eyes to see ears to hear and a hand that's not shortened that it can't reach deep down into that pit you find yourself in today and take you up and put you on the rock to stay so this generation needs to see that and the only way they're going to see that is through an activated body an activated church and the way we get activated the way we get turned on for God is through prayer and fasting Jesus said when you pray don't be like the hypocrites for they love to pray in public but that will be the reward but you when you pray go and do it in secret when your father sees what you do in secret he'll reward you openly then move on to verse 16 moreover when you fast matthew 6 16 when you fast don't be like the hypocrites with a sad a sad face for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting assuredly i say to you they have the reward but when you fast So notice how it doesn't say if you fast. Notice how it doesn't say if you feel like fasting, go on. No, it doesn't say if you think it's a good idea to fast. It doesn't leave fasting as an optional thing for a disciple of Christ. If you identify as a disciple of Jesus Christ, if you identify as a Christ follower, these are principles that we ought to live by these are things jesus said are not optional for my disciples he didn't say if you pray he didn't say if you give he didn't say if you fast just as much as giving is still valid today because there's a lot of people that say well fasting is an old testament thing fasting was done away with when the new covenant was established but that's not true because if fasting were done away with the same passage talks about praying then should we say prayer has been done away with because the new covenant has come should we also say that giving has been done away with because this new covenant has come no we still give paul taught about giving in the epistles paul taught about prayer in the epistles and paul the bible says 
many times was in fastings and in thirstings. Uh, you can read that in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. He lived a lifestyle of fasting and prayer. So fasting is not some Old Testament concept that has been outdated and it no longer applies to the new covenant believer. It's something we still have to do. And the reason why many people don't do it is because they don't see its benefits. They don't see the spiritual benefits. They don't see the practical benefits. They can't see the results of what they're doing so as a result they don't have motivation to actually go ahead and do it but I want to teach to you today the benefits of prayer and fasting that it's not just a religious routine that we just you know go through the cycle of doing it it's not just some exercise that just uh, steers up our religious bones it's not an exercise or a religious um, principle that we just hold by just because God said to do it no Jesus said when you fast in secret you will have have a public reward and so there's a though the, i talked about before there's these unlimited blessings that are available to us in heavenly places the bible says that god did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all will he not freely give us everything else richly to enjoy the bible says in psalm 84 11, no good thing does god withhold from them who walk uprightly so god's not withholding these things but there is what i must do and what you must do to tap into those things prayer and fasting cannot be contracted or outsourced to someone else you have to do it you have to carry that sense of responsibility that there are certain things that i will not have that i will not benefit from that i will not uh, enjoy on earth unless i engage in prayer and fasting you have to come to the realization that yes, God is sovereign, but in his sovereignty, he has chosen to give us the ability to choose life or choose death, to choose blessing or choose cursing. Deuteronomy 30 says, I have set before you life and death. I've set before you blessing and cursing. Oh, that you would choose life. Oh, that you would choose blessing. And part of the way that we choose those things is by engaging in times of fasting and prayer. You're showing God, Lord, I'm hungry for more of you. I'm hungry. I'm setting aside the desires of my natural, my carnal flesh in order to press into the things of God. I'm what fasting does is it shows God that you're more hungry for these spiritual realities than you are for natural food, which food is what? Food is one of the highest needs of man. It goes in order, water, then food and then shelter. Food is number 2 on that list. That it's, it's, it's one of our means of survival. But when you're fasting, when you're setting aside the plate, you're telling God, I'm laying aside the things that I know I need to survive, but I really understand man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I, and, and when you do that, I mean, Jesus practiced fasting. Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. He put a premium on fasting. He didn't treat it like it was some nonchalant thing. He did. It was such a high thing, highly prioritized in his life. When he got baptized in the Holy Spirit, the very first thing he did was not go and cast out demons. It wasn't go to heal the sick. He didn't go and preach his first sermon. The very first thing Jesus did after he received the Holy Ghost was to be driven into the wilderness 
wilderness to fast and to pray. And when he finished that, he returned. Luke 4, 14. He returned in the power of the Spirit unto Galilee. So there's a benefit. Jesus sought the benefits of and the rewards of fasting and prayer. And he saw it practically. He saw it. He lived it out. He didn't return weak. He didn't return emaciated. He didn't return, you know, pretty much nothing changed in his life. He returned in the full power of the Spirit into Galilee. George Moore, I'm telling you one more time. Listen. Stop asking questions and listen to this broadcast because you do this a lot. And, and, and you distract everyone. Just listen to the broadcast. It's going to help you. I'm going to cover every single one of those questions. And if after the broadcast, you still have questions, I'll, I'll answer them. Prayer and fasting cannot be contracted or outsourced. It cannot be outsourced. You can't pay someone else to do it. Just like I can't pay someone else to go to the gym and work out for me. I can't pay someone else to, to eat well for me. I cannot pay someone else to to study for me. I can't pay someone else to build my faith. I have to take responsibility to build my faith. I have to take the responsibility in fasting and in prayer if I'm going to see victory in my own individual life. And so... Prayer might be the most talked about thing. It might be the most celebrated thing in church. But until people pray, uh, pray then all it's going to be is some religious discipline that we talk about and hold in high esteem. But we have to pray. Prayer can be the most talked about thing in churches, but the least practiced discipline in churches. And that's why a lot of people lose out on it. But I, I want to show you why. Why prayer is going to change your life. Prayer changes things. Prayer changes you. Prayer is not just a, a religious exercise we do. It is something that produces a lasting change in us. The Bible says Hezekiah was received. He received a, a, a prophecy from Isaiah. Get your house in order. You're going to die from this sickness. Hezekiah didn't just say, oh, well, I guess, you know, can we only accept good things from God? I guess this is just my lot in life. No, he set his face to the wall to turn to the temple and he began to pray and pray out loud. He vocalized his request. He said, Lord, how I've served you from my early youth and your covenant. He started to remind God of his covenant. And he said, I, pretty much, I refuse to die. What happened? Hezekiah had been told from Isaiah to get his house in order. The moment Hezekiah prayed, God spun his, uh, Isaiah on his feet to go back to where Isaiah, uh, Hezekiah was and tell him God has added 15 years to your life. So you see that Hezekiah wasn't wasting time when he began to press in in prayer. He wasn't just wasting words. He wasn't talking to a ceiling. Those prayers were ascending into heaven and God then moved to action to change Hezekiah's situation. Hezekiah was to die. He lived on another 15 years because of that prayer that he prayed. Hannah was barren for many years and her own uh, husband, was like pretty much give up. Isn't it enough that I'm your husband? Why do you need to bear, uh, bear children to me? And he had another wife that was bearing all kinds of children every single year. And she began to mock Hannah and began to reproach Hannah and began to make fun and scoff at Hannah. But the Bible says Hannah began to plead and pour out her soul to the Lord. And Eli, the, the, the priest, 
came down and said, is it a time to be drunk? It's like 9 a.m. Put away wine from you, Hannah. But Hannah said, hey, I'm not drunk. I'm not drunk like you think I'm drunk. I'm pouring out my soul before the Lord. I'm pleading with God. I'm wrestling with God. And I will not back down until I get what I came here for. Did God rebuke Hannah for that? Or if in the ne- or did Eli say, by this time next year, you'll hold a child. And that's exactly what came to pass. By that time next year, she had her baby, uh, Samuel, in her hands who was dedicated to the things of God and became one of the greatest prophets that ever walked the earth the very first prophet of Israel so you could see Hannah wasn't wasting time Hannah wasn't just uh, entertaining some religious exercise she wasn't just engaging in some religious duty that's how other religions teach their people their adherence to pray they say just pray because it's the right thing to do pray because uh, our God requires it from you pray because that's what you're supposed to do if you identify with someone in our religion but God is the, the Bible is the only book that says Jeremiah 33 3 call unto me call unto me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you know not of call unto me all the other religions they can't talk like that their gods don't talk like that because there's no power to produce what people ask for our God's the only one who gave us an invitation to pray so that he can intervene and answer prayer if God didn't want to answer your prayers he would have never invited you to pray if God had no interest in responding to your prayers he would have never have invited you to pray in the first place but Luke 7 says pray and you shall receive seek and you shall fine knock and the door shall be open unto you the bible says everyone who asks will receive everyone who seeks will find and everyone who knocks on the door the door will be open we have a promise that god has made us if you'll in faith do the foolish thing of opening up your mouth and praying in the name of my son jesus i'll do what no man can do for you. I'll answer you from heaven. I'll sort things out in your life. I'll heal your body. I'll restore your family. I'll bring you out of that bro- that narrow place. I'll take you out of the miry clay. I'll deliver your soul from death. I'll deliver your eyes from tears of sorrow. I'll deliver your feet from falling. And I'll hold you up in my hands. So we're not just required to pray. We have a promise that when we do pray... God will answer. God will answer. I said it before. You have not because you ask not. The number one hindrance to answered prayer is people don't ask. They don't ask. They simply do not open. And they, they'll say things like, well, I have an unspoken prayer request. That's not asking. Could you imagine I came to my wife and I said, I have an unspoken request. Try and figure it out. Not that God doesn't know what you have need of. He knows what you have need of before you ask. But there's something about asking. There's something about letting the request. Philippians 4, 6 says, do not be anxious for anything, but rather make your request known to God by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving and the God of peace will answer you. Don't be anxious about it. Being anxious about your problem today is not going to solve it. Weeping about your problem today is not going to solve it. Crying and complaining and sighing and sorrowing over your problem today is not going to solve it. Calling everyone on your iPhone contact list and telling them about everything you're going through is not going to solve the problem. All that's going to do is get someone to sympathize with you. But I'm not interested in man's sympathy. I'm interested in God's intervention. 
The Bible says don't be anxious about your problems. Don't worry about your life. Don't get overly concerned with what you're facing today. No matter how crucial your problem might be, no matter how hard or difficult of an obstacle is facing you today, the Bible says we are in no way to be terrified of our opposition or our adversary, which is a sign to them of destruction, but to you of salvation. So there's something that happens in the spirit realm when the devil sees that when he's throwing everything he's got at you, at, at you, he's doing his best, but he finds out his best is not enough because as hard as he's trying to get you to curse God and die, as hard as he's trying to get you to lower your hands and quit, give up, recant God, turn the other way, back slide go back into your foolish ways you're still engaging in prayer you're you're still refusing to be afraid Do you know that fear is a spirit that you can refuse to entertain it's a spirit you can refuse to harbor it's a, a spirit that you can you can literally reject in your life you don't have to fall and succumb to the pressures of that spirit called fear you can reject fear many a times david said the lord is my light he is my salvation whom shall i fear he rejected fear he said I refuse to be afraid I refuse to give up and quit I refuse to be discouraged I refuse to be terrified of the things that are ahead of me no even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will that shows you it's a matter of your will it's a choice you can make I will fear no evil for his rod his word it comforts me it guides me into green pastures it makes me to lie down in green pastures the Bible says he, he, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. David said, I have no reason to be afraid for the Lord is a stronghold of my life. Though enemies encamp around me, the war may come up against me. In this I'm confident. I'm confident that the help of man is useless, but the help of God, he is a very present help in time of trouble. And if God be for me, who can be against me? That's, those are motivating factors to pray. Knowing that if God doesn't pull through with, for me, then there's no point of even having man help me. If God can't do it, let it remain undone. If God can't help me, nobody should even try. But on the flip side, if God can do it, then I know the Bible says he's not just able to help you. He is willing. He's willing to help you. He is eager to help you. He's desiring to help you today. How do we know that? Because the Bible says very clearly, in 1 Peter 5, 7, Peter said, you are to cast your cares on God, for he cares for you. God cares for you today. God loves you today. And it, but his hands are bound until you pray. He, he, John Wesley said this quote, without God, man can do nothing on the earth. But without man praying, God will do nothing on the earth. God cares for you. He has a, an... A, an unlimited reservoir of love for you. The Bible says in uh, the book of Jeremiah that he is the Lord who created the heavens and the earth by his great power and outstretched arm and there's nothing too difficult for him. So not only does he love you, not only does he want to help you, but there's nothing too hard. There's nothing you're facing right now that he can't break you free from today. However, however, his hands are bound until you pray. Jesus prayed, let thy, he told his disciples to pray this way, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy will be done on earth. 
as it is in heaven. He taught his disciples to pray God's will into the earth. God's will is not automatically fulfilled on earth. God's will is not automatically done on the earth. God's will is not, uh, uh, um, is not uh, automatic. Jesus taught his disciples, until you pray his will. Well, what's his will? His word. So you can study this book and get blessed by it, just reading it. But until you begin to pray the scriptures, Isaiah 43, 26, put me in remembrance of my word. State your case from my word that you might be acquitted. Until you tie these, your requests to these scriptures, your requests will go unanswered. But then, when you do start to bring God to remembrance of his word, you start to recall his covenant, you start to, um, to pray the exact will of God. 1 John 5, 14, if we have anything that we have need of if we pray according anything we ask if it be according to his will he hears us and if he hears us then we have the request that we've asked from him we have it but he has to hear us and the only way we know he hears us is when we pray according to his will so things are not just going to automatically turn for you things are not just you can't just well we're leaving it in god's hands it doesn't work that way. You have to find out, what does God say about the situation I'm facing today? What's God's desire? Is it for, for me to be sick? No. Well then, bring his covenant. State your case. Show him. This book literally is his, is his constitution. It is heaven's constitution for the earth. And prayer gives God an earthly license to have heavenly intervention and produce what this book promises us. Prayer gives God earthly license to bring heavenly intervention to what this book promises us. Without prayer, without fasting, your life is going to be given over to chance. It's going to be given literally just, you're going to be hoping things turn out. Do you know you don't have to hope tomorrow turns out? By simply praying God's will today. If you'll pray God's will today in faith. Knowing that he's not a man that he should lie. He's not a son of man that he should change his mind. He's not schizophrenic that he wrote out all these magnificent promises. But then now today he's kind of changed his mind concerning you. He's actually totally revamped. He's remodeled. He's rebranded himself. And he's not quite the God that he was in the Bible. He's changed. No. The Bible says what he has spoken, he will do. What he has declared, he shall bring to pass. The Bible says in Malachi 3.6, I am the Lord God and I change not. Hebrews 13.8, I am Jesus Christ who is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. God has not changed. God has not changed his mind for you. The Bible says, I know the thoughts I have towards you. They are for a future and a hope to prosper you and not to harm you. To prosper you, not to harm you. But any area in life that you're suffering in, if you don't know God's will, you'll never have genuine faith to approach Him in prayer to change, to alter the situation in your favor. That's why it's important to study, to show yourself approved, a workman who need not be ashamed. That's why God, time and time again, told Joshua, let this book of the law never depart from your mouth. Keep it on your tongue. Meditate on it day and night. 
Because as long as you know God's covenant, as long as you know what God's will is concerning any situation, then when things don't go your way, when it seems like you're struggling, when it seems like you're suffering, when it seems like you're not striving and thriving in excellence, then you can pick up the Bible and show God, Lord, this is not what you promised me. So prayer is essential. Prayer is imperative. What happens on earth is not, dependent, is not dependent on God. What happens on earth is based, pretty much your life is going to be the product of the prayers you pray in faith. Because there's a lot of people who need salvation, but they'll go to hell because they either never prayed for Jesus to come in their heart, they never repented, or they never heard it. But there's a lot of people who who need to be saved. They, 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 they're not saved. They're going to hell. They're not right with God. But they've never prayed for Christ, for their sins to be forgiven, for Christ to come and live in them. So as a result of them not praying, God's will, notwithstanding, they'll end up going to hell. There's a lot of people who, uh, who have many needs and are struggling with many things. That's not God's fault. God has already written out His will for humanity. Not for several people within humanity, but for all humanity. His desire, every good and perfect gift comes from above. He has good and perfect things to deliver into your life today. But what you experience on the earth is not determined by God's will. It's determined by the prayers I pray in faith. That's why many times... I mean, Jesus said, if two of you on earth shall agree concerning anything that they might ask, it shall be done for them by my Father in heaven. So notice how it doesn't say if two of you shall, um, it doesn't say if two of you shall have any need of anything, it will, my God is going to supply that need regardless of if they pray or not. No, it says if two of you on earth shall agree and pray in faith concerning anything that they might ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. So the problem is not in God's court. The problem is not even in the devil's court. I want to I make this very clear to you. The devil's defeated. He has no ability to hinder. To hinder you. He has no ability to delay your progress. He has no ability to set you back. He has no ability to... Uh, he actually has no power. Jesus said, all power in heaven and on earth now belongs to me. So the devil's been stripped of power. The Bible says he's been disarmed. Every principality, every power has been disarmed. Jesus made a public show of them openly, having triumphed over the devil at the cross of Calvary. Jesus said, all power and authority in heaven and on earth belongs to me. He has no power to do any of that stuff. But we want to know what happens. People don't know the will of God. And if they do know the will of God, they don't pray the will of God. And so they live lives far below their heavenly inheritance as a result of it. People don't pray because they have, they don't pray, they don't fast because they either A, they have no faith, they don't believe God. They don't believe there's an actual reward to praying. Jesus could do no mighty works in Nazareth because they had, they had unbelief. He marveled at their unbelief. He could do nothing. Jesus, the Son of God, the anointed Christ, God in the flesh, manifest amongst men, could do no mighty works there because of their unbelief. Unbelief will cut you from the source of God's power. Unbelief will disconnect you from, answer, from the power that's able to answer your prayers. Unbelief never prays. 
Unbelief does not pray. Unbelief wishes things happen. Unbelief hopes for things to happen. But unbelief cannot pray. Doubt doesn't pray. Number two reason why people don't pray is they pray wrong. And so they don't see results. And so they get discouraged to never pray again. They pray. They, they say things like this. Oh, I tried praying. I tried fasting once. It didn't work for me. But they might not have been doing it right. And so as a result, they had bad results or they had bad, uh, it didn't produce what they were designed for fasting and prayer to produce in their life. And so they just quit it altogether. They throw the baby out with the bathwater. It's like me. It'd be like me getting an iPhone and then trying to make a call. But I, I couldn't make a call. For some reason or another, I wasn't able to do it. And just throwing out the phone and saying, oh, to heck with Apple. They never produce any quality products. It had nothing to do with Apple. It had nothing to do with the, the device. It had everything to do with my inability to handle the device properly. To, know, to follow the instructions laid out in the manual as to how to make a phone call. Many people suffer in prayer because they haven't read the manual as to how to properly connect with God via prayer. There's a right way to do things and there's a wrong way to do things. There's a right way to drive and there's a wrong way to drive. I can go on the opposite end on a highway going against traffic and get pulled over and the, the officer can say, do you know what you were doing? You're kind of going the opposite end of traffic. This is not the right way to drive. And I can turn to him and say, oh, officer, you just need to know my heart. I had a good heart in doing this. You have to understand my motive and all this was not wrong. The officer doesn't care. He's going to give you a ticket. You're going to get your car impounded and your license suspended. Has nothing to do with your heart. Has nothing to do with your motive. Well, I had, you know, he had a good heart when he prayed. He can have the best heart. But David didn't just have a heart after God's own heart. David knew the right way to connect with God in prayer to produce infallible results in life. He knew how to do it. There's a right way. To pray, and there's a wrong way to pray. And the Bible says, I quoted it before, they have not because they ask not, and even when they ask, they don't receive because they ask amiss. They ask wrong. They don't have proper motive in prayer. They don't have any scripture backing up their prayer. They're just asking based on what God has done for someone else. Lord, you did it for them. Why can't you do it for me? That's not faith. Faith is finding out. I've said it several times throughout this broadcast and I'm going to say it again because it's imperative that I repeat it so it gets into you. Faith begins where the knowledge, uh, where the word of God is known. Faith begins, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And your results in prayer are largely dependent, not largely, they're solely dependent upon the faith that you exercise in prayer or else you're just uttering words. I'm not praying for something based on an Instagram cliche or a meme that I saw. I'm not praying for something because I saw a post on Facebook that says, pray this and type amen, and I know God's going to... I'm praying knowing that God's hearing me because, first of all, I don't regard iniquity in my heart. If you have sin in your heart, the Bible says he will not hear you. He who turns his ear away from the word of the law, shall, his prayer shall be an abomination to the Lord. So if you have sin in your life and repetitive sin and habitual sin and you're practicing sin and you haven't repented of sin, you are, God will not hear you. But once you get rid of sin, you now have direct communication access with God and it's his word. 
God does not respect needs. God does not respect tears. God respects his word uttered in faith through prayer. So people don't pray because they have no faith. People don't pray because they pray wrong and so they don't see the results and they give up. And then a third reason is they, people don't pray because they don't feel a sense of responsibility to pray in their life. They just think whatever God wants to happen will happen. How many of you have ever heard that? If God wants it to happen, it'll come to pass. If God sees it fit that I have it, he'll give it to me. If God wants me to have it, if God wants me to go there, if God wants me to do it, then that's not how life works. Paul told Timothy, Timothy, according to the prophecies made concerning you, by them you should wage the good warfare through prayer. So Timothy had received all kinds of prophecies. I mean, there's so many people that come to me and they say, I had a prophecy years ago and, uh, you know, I, I haven't seen it come to pass, but I'm just believing that one day it's going to come to pass. It won't. You have to pray through the word. You have to pray and fast for these things to become a reality in your life. Just because God said you can have it doesn't mean it's automatically going to be dropped into your hands. Prayer and fasting, that's a type of spiritual warfare where we are engaging heaven for the acquisition of the things God has promised via his word. So things aren't automatic. We ha you have to carry. You'll never pray and fast if you think if God wants it to get done, it'll get done. There's nothing I can do to add to it. There's nothing I can do to subtract from it. That type, of man, that type of person doesn't pray. And even if they do pray, there's no pressure. There's no urgency. There's no passion. There's no zeal. There's no heart. That's radiating from, their, from, their, from them, their core, the core of their being. God said in Jeremiah 29, If you will seek me and search for me with all your heart, you will find me. People that just think whatever God wants will happen, they're the type of people that have their heartless prayers. There's no, there's no passion connected to their prayer. Father, we come to you today. They all talk the same way. We just pray that um, you'd be with us today and... Lord, whatever you see fit happen, we just ask you that it be accomplished in your time. And if it be not thy will, really, they should say, I'm so lazy, I've never read the Bible, I don't care to know what God's will is for my life, and so Lord, whatever your will is, let thy will be done, not mine. Amen. That's how their prayer should be. Now, there is a prayer of consecration where you say, Lord, I give you my life. Everything I am, thy will be done through me, in me. But when we're talking about prayer and fasting to change things, or even to change us, we can't just lazily approach prayer, having not done the work. God didn't just write this book so we'd have some reading material until Jesus comes back again. This book shows us, the Bible says that the word was Christ made flesh among us. And Christ was the exact representation of the nature of God. This book is the exact representation of God's nature and will for us. So we don't have to approach God. Lord, we don't know what you want to do. We know your ways are higher than our ways and your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Yes, they are. But good news. He's penned down his thoughts for you in this book, A. And then B, he gave you the Holy Ghost so that we might know the things freely given to us and available to us through Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. The Bible says we have the mind of Christ so that we might know the things given to us by God. 
In the old covenant, they could say, his ways are higher than our ways, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts, as the heavens are above the earth, so are his thoughts higher than our thoughts. And, you know, we just got to hope to pretty much contact the prophet because the prophet was the only one who could speak for God in those days and the prophet would make known the will of God in any situation they had to go to a physical person to retrieve information from heaven but now in this new covenant we have the spirit of God not upon us or on us or around us in us first Corinthians 2 says that we might know we've not received the spirit of this world or the spirit of a man, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the thoughts of God. I know God's thoughts concerning me. I, can, I have access to God's ways, um, and I have access to God's thoughts for me, and to me in my life. So prayer, it's not a ministry to the few. We don't, we're not leaving it off to the prophet, leaving it off to pastor. Pastor, could you keep me in prayer? We're not called to be prayer projects for the community. We have to do the praying. It's not a ministry for a few men. Prayer is a necessity for all. You don't just study prayer. You don't just listen to preaching on prayer. We have to actually come to a point where we do the praying. Now I'm going to move on to fasting. But before I do that, let me just read Luke chapter 18. You can't talk about prayer and not talk about this story. Luke chapter 18, listen to this. And Jesus spoke a parable to them that men ought always to pray. Always to pray. Doesn't say and men should pray when they feel like it. Pray when you don't feel like it. Matter of fact, those are often the times you'll have the greatest experiences and encounters with God in prayer. When by faith you set aside your feelings and say, I'm going to pray, I'm going to fast, whether I feel like it or not, and I'm not going to lose heart in doing it. Jesus said, men are always to pray and never to lose heart. For there was a certain city and a judge in that city who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city and she came to him saying, get justice for me from my adversary. If you're just joining in now, welcome to the broadcast. If you can help me out by sharing this broadcast. If you're on Facebook, share it. Share it again. If you've already shared it once, you can. there's no limit to how many times you can share it. Let's, let's get this, um, this word out today. There was a widow in that city and she came to him, the judge, the unjust judge, and said, get justice from, for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, though I don't fear God, nor do I regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming to me, she will weary me out. And the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said, and shall not God avenge his own elect who cry to him day and night though he bears long with them i tell you he will avenge them speedily quickly nevertheless the son of man when he comes will he find this kind of faith on the earth so jesus was saying in the last days the temptation of the church is to not persevere in prayer he said when the son of man comes will he find this type of faith on the earth i don't want Jesus to come back to a, a church or to me individually. I can't control everybody else's prayer life, but I can control my own prayer life. And I don't want to be found someone who gave up or someone who just, you know, treated prayer like a once a week thing or a pre-meal exercise just to bless the food and a five minute before bed just to like, you know, pray that God keeps me through the night. I want to be found like that widow was who was pressing in. And though at first she didn't have any answers, at first the Bible says the unjust judge didn't answer her a word. But the Bible says after a while, because of her continual perseverance and, 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 and desire 
to have her case um, ruled in her favor, the unjust judge said, this woman's going to weary me out. Give her justice. Jesus said, that man was unjust. That man was evil. That man was a crooked judge who didn't care about people. Shall not I, who's the God and judge of all the earth, Will I not give justice for my people who cry to me day and night? You think your tears and your prayers were wasted? No, you've just been storing up. It's like a cloud. It gets fuller and fuller and fuller until it's too full and then it explodes with torrential downpour. You think your prayers were wasted. Your words were wasted. The time you consecrated and fasting and prayer was wasted. But I'm here to tell you, my brother and sister, not one word that you prayed in faith was wasted you've been filling up that cloud of blessing and I prophesy in the name of Jesus it's been filled to the fullest that cloud you're about to see the reward the public reward that Jesus promised to those who would pray in secret you're not going to be a, a shame to your community you're not going to be the one who only just talked about how much they prayed God is going to move on your behalf and the people are going to see that a prayer warrior never ends up a gal failure my God like he did for Elijah he prayed once and the rain didn't come he prayed twice and he sent a servant and the rain didn't come he prayed a third time a fourth time a fifth time a sixth time he could have given up on the sixth time and said well you know Gehazi I think we've tried enough let's go on to the next thing you know some things we just got to leave into God's hands sometimes he says yes sometimes he says no other times he says maybe he didn't have that attitude he knew that God was going to answer his prayer he knew because he was standing on the covenant that if the children of Israel would turn back to God that God would then send rain on the earth at 1 Kings 18, when Mount Carmel and the fire came and consumed the altar and the people of Israel recanted their worship to the Baals, they turned away from idolatry and the worship of Baals and they moved towards God again and they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. When they did that, they entered back into a covenant with God. And God said, when that covenant is assumed or reassumed, that I'm going to open up the heavens and pour you out. Pour out water in its season. Elijah was standing on a word. He wasn't standing on his hopes or ambitions or some superstition. He was standing on the word of God. And he prayed the sixth time. Nothing happened. Then he prayed the seventh time. And Elijah, Elijah's servant came back and said, I see the, the, a cloud coming from the sea it's the size of a man's hand and Elijah could have said well that's not what we prayed for we prayed for rain we didn't pray for a little tiny cl cloud we prayed for a mighty storm to come he could have well I guess sometimes God doesn't quite answer our prayers the way we see fit we just got to trust the process he didn't do that he prayed and when he saw the the, the hand the cloud the size of a hand coming from the sea he said and spoke in faith beloved the, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. And not too long after, he told Ahab to prepare his chariot to out, outrun the rain and the storm that was about to come. And my brother and sister, it wasn't too long after that, that the rain started to... To raindrops started to come and hit the ground. Had it had been three and a half years that uh, the last time Israel had seen rain, and all of a sudden rain started to come, and a torrential downpour, a storm that they had never even seen, came as a result of Elijah's praying. I tell you, you're about to see not a storm that wipes you out, but a cloud and a rain in a, a downpour of blessing that's about to come on your life in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ.
We actually pray. So what does fasting do to our prayers? Fasting is like spiritual steroids to our prayers. Fasting is like spiritual fertilizer to our prayers. Fasting is like C4 and prayer is the detonator. So what do I mean by that? If all you do is, pre- if all you do is fast, then it's not going to do you any good. Because fasting by itself does not produce results. If all you do is fast, you're on a hunger strike. You're just refusing to eat. And, and, and you're no different than Buddhists and, and Ramadan for Muslims and all that. They just fast. They don't eat. That's it. They're taught to fast out of religious discipline. If all you do is fast in that you're not eating, you're just on a diet. You might have some natural benefits to it. You might lose a few pounds. You might feel a bit better. There's, you know, intermittent fasting. It's been proven to show uh, great physical results. However, we're not fasting so we can look better and fit into a suit that we had when we were 23. We're not fasting so we can get back into that dress. We're not fasting so that, you know, we can uh, get that beach body for summer. We're fasting for spiritual purposes. Fasting's like, like I said, it's like C4 and prayer's the detonator. If all you have is the, the C4, the bomb, it does you no good. You need to have the detonator to produce the blast. And so when you're fasting and you couple it with prayer, rather I should say when you're praying and you couple it with fasting, you are enhancing the intensity of your prayer life and it has results it has practical benefits it has why do we fast there are reasons why we fast number i'll give you one number one fasting is like drano or like a like a, a plumbing system you know the bible says we have this treasure in our earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of god and not of us So the treasure is the Holy Ghost in us. It's God's nature in us. But the Bible says we have an earthen vessel. And that's your flesh. It's your carnal nature. What fasting does is it breaks down your flesh. It breaks down your carnal nature. It subdues the desires of your the the Adamic nature, the carnal nature in you. It, it, it breaks it down. It, it's like what John said. I must decrease. He must increase. This is how we practically live out that, that scripture. When we're fasting, we are decreasing. And Christ in us is increasing his influence and his control over us. Do you know that even Satanists fast? Satanists fast And they actually fast and have more religious discipline than some Christians because they want to break down their flesh so that the demon that that, uh, possesses them or the demon that has control over them can have more influence in their life. Even they understand that there's, there's something. See, if you don't understand that life is spiritual, that there is a spiritual world, that there is principalities in heavenly places, and that our job is, is to connect with either the God powers in that realm or the devil powers in that realm, you're never going to fast. Fasting, what it does is it breaks down the barriers that prevent us from accessing God's power in the spiritual realm. It's pretty much like, imagine you, like there's Hoover Dam, right? You ever heard of Hoover Dam, the largest dam in the world? And on the other side of the dam is the Colorado River. 
the Colorado River, as much as there is gallons and billions of gallons of water in that river and the force of that river beating against the dam and the, the bricks that have been set up, as long as the dam is there, the water's not going to flow uh, to where it desires to flow. The dam is set up to hinder the water, to prevent access of the water to the city that's, uh, that's, that's in front of the dam. If there was a little tiny hole in the wall of the dam, there would be some water that's like squirting out. Now, if I came and I just saw that water squirting out, I'd be, I, I could say, well, if I was ignorant, that there's not much power behind that. There's only a little bit of water behind that, that dam. There's only a little bit of water behind that wall because I'm not seeing much water flowing through that little tiny hole that's in the wall of that dam. But if I took dynamite and connected it to the dam and then lit it up, and it destroyed a large portion of the dam, you would see the full-fledged power and force of the river, the Colorado River, flowing through that dam. And you would see that there wasn't just a little tiny bit of water. There was actually billions upon billions of gallons of water flowing, an unending source, a river. That's what fasting is. When you don't fast, you might have a little squirt of power flowing through you. You might have a little, you know, a little bit of, of victory in life. You might have a little, you know, you might see God's blessing here and there. You might, you might only taste of a little bit of God's power. And you'll only be used minimally to impact the people around you. But when you fast, you're stripping dynamite to the flesh that prevents the flow of God's power through you and it breaks down that earthen vessel so that now the river, Jesus said his power is like rivers of living water bursting forth from within. That river could then flow through you so you can have higher impact on this earth. Take it this way. You have a, a I can have a tank with 50,000 gallons of water in that tank. And if I just connected a pipe that was a quarter of an inch, though there's all kinds of water in that tank, the quarter of an inch pipe is only going to release a, a limited amount of water. And it's only, you know, if I was trying to provide water, clean water for an entire village, they'd take a long time to fill up their buckets with just a quarter of an inch pipe filling up bu buckets. But if I took a new pipe and connected, I made a new hole and in that tank, I, 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 I connected a two or a three foot, four foot pipeline now. Then the water is obviously going to have a lot more free range to flow through that pipeline to, uh, to, to, and you, to benefit the entire community, to, feed, to, 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 to provide clean water for the entire community. So that's what fasting does. It breaks down the earthly, fleshly nature so that God can flow through you in a, more free, in a, in a free way. Let me read something to you. I want to show you a practical story from Scripture that shows you exactly what fasting does. In... in uh, in results. Listen to this. Judges chapter 20. So Benjamin had committed an, uh, an, an abominable sin. And Israel rose up. All the other tribes of Israel rose up against Benjamin. 
to make war against Benjamin and put Benjamin in their place. Listen to this. Then the children of God arose and went up to the house of God and they inquired of God. They prayed to God. And they asked, they said, which of us shall go up first to battle against the children of Benjamin? The Lord said, Judah first. So the children of Israel rose up in the morning and encamped against Gibeah. And the men of Israel went up to battle against Benjamin, and the men of Israel put themselves in battle array to fight against them at Gibeah. And the children of Benjamin came out of Gibeah, and on that day cut down to the ground 22,000 men of the Israelites. So they went out day one, they prayed, God said, Judah goes first. They had exercised their right to pray. They received an answer to their prayer. They went out to try and fight Benjamin, having just prayed. And that day, Benjamin, that was only 26,000 soldiers, struck down 22,000 of the camp of Judah. And the children of Benjamin came out, and the people, that is, the men of Israel, encouraged themselves and again formed the line, the battle line, at the place where they had put themselves in array on the first day. And the children of Israel went up and wept before the Lord until evening and asked counsel of the Lord, saying, Shall I again draw near for battle against the children of my brother Benjamin? And the Lord said, Go up. They prayed again. God said, Go up. Look what happened. And Benjamin went out. Children of Israel approached the children of Benjamin the second day. Benjamin went out against, the child, uh, against them from Gibeah and the second day and cut down to the ground 18,000 more of the children of Israel, all those that drew the sword. So then they go out a second day, having just prayed, and Benjamin strikes down 18 more thousand of their men and they have to retreat. And all the children of Israel, that is, all the people went up and came to the house of God and wept. And they sat there before the Lord and fasted that day until evening. They did a six to six fast, which I'm going to talk about the different types of fast and the different times of fasting that you can go in and engage in at, uh, in, in the moments to come. But they fasted a six to six. But they fasted. This time they didn't just pray. They mixed it with fasting that day until evening. And they offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. So they didn't just pray. They fasted and then they gave. That's the three-quarter whip that Jesus made in Matthew chapter 6. When you give, when you pray, when you fast. And look what happened. Look at how their story changed, having done that. So the children of Israel inquired of the Lord. The Ark of the Covenant of God was there in those days. And Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, stood before, the, uh, stood before it in those days, saying, Shall I yet again go out to battle against the children of my brother Benjamin, or shall I seize? And the Lord said, Go up, for tomorrow I will deliver them into your hand. And Israel set men in ambush all around Gibeah. And the children of Israel went up against the children of Benjamin on the third day and put themselves in battle array against Gibeah as in other times. So I love how the Bible includes that, as in other times, showing that it's not that Israel devised some new strategy. It wasn't that Israel came up with a new plan. It wasn't that Israel ended up getting some of their allies to come and they had more people this time. As at other times, they didn't change the program. They only added fasting to their prayer. So the children of, of Benjamin went out against the people and were, drawn, and were drawn away from the city. And they began to strike down and kill some of the people as at other times in the highways, one of which was, goes up to Bethel and the other to Gibeah. And in the fields, about 30 men of Israel. And the children of Benjamin said, they are defeated before us. 
as at first. But the children of Israel said, let us flee and draw them away from the city to the highways. So all the men of Israel rose up from their place and put themselves in battle array at Baal Tamar. Then Israel's men in ambush burst forth from their position in the plain of Geba. And 10,000 select men from Israel came up against Gibeah, and the battle was exceedingly fierce. It was fierce. But the Benjamins did not know that disaster was upon them. Because this time, they didn't just go, having prayed and found out it was God's will for them. See, that's the thing. There's a lot of people that pray and inquire whether they should do something. And the Lord says, yes, do it. But because they didn't mix adequate times of fasting and prayer to secure adequate, sufficient power with God to be empowered to do the thing God's calling you to do, they end up failing. But this time, they didn't just know what God's will was. They secured power with God to go. And they were empowered. They had disarmed the darkness that was behind Benjamin and they now had God's full backing on that battlefield. And the Bible says, as a result, their enemies did not know that disaster was upon them. Hallelujah. And the Lord defeated Benjamin before Israel. And the children of Israel destroyed that day 25,100 Benjamites, all those that drew the sword. So you see how fasting added a new dimension to their lives fasting did something prayer alone couldn't do it daniel chapter 9 he's praying to the god of heaven and he's fasting 30 uh, 21 days three weeks he fasted asking god based on jeremiah's prophecy that 70 days of 70 years of captivity would happen and then after those 70 years the the israelites would be set free from babylonian captivity 70th the 70th year approaches daniel doesn't see anything happening he takes up god's word takes up his covenant begins to remind him of his promises and for three weeks he has no answer on the third week an angel called gabriel approaches him and says daniel from the very first let me read this daniel chapter 10 this is powerful because there's certain victories you're not gonna have in life if all you do is pray some things require fasting because what it does is it dispatches heavenly forces as reinforcement to disarm the principalities and powers that are hindering or refusing to let go the answer to your prayer. I said it before, life is spiritual. You have to understand that there are demonic forces at work, not only to subdue nations, not only to intervene in national uh, things, but in your life individually. There are satanic forces. The Bible says we wrestle not against uh, flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly force, in heavenly places. And they're set in battle array against the advancement of your destiny. Listen to Daniel chapter 10. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant food, nor did wine come into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all till those three full weeks were fulfilled. Now move on to Daniel chapter 10. Verse 10. 
Suddenly a hand, so as he's praying, suddenly a hand touched me, which made me to tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. And he said to me, O Daniel, man of great, greatly beloved, understand that the words, understand that I, uh, the words that I speak to you and stand upright for I have now been sent to you while he was speaking this word to me I stood trembling then he said to me don't be afraid Daniel from the very first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God and your words were here were heard and I've come because of your words but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days and behold Michael one of the chief princes came to help me and I had been left alone there for the um, with the kings of Persia now I have come to make you understand what will happen to the people in the latter days for the vision refers to many days yet to come so Daniel hears from the angel Gabriel saying from the very first day you prayed God heard you but the answer was delayed, not because God was withholding the answer. There were spiritual forces that were aligned against the answer reaching you. But when he mixed fasting into it, it dispatched heavenly reinforcement to win the war in the heavenlies. Understand this. Every victory that we see in the natural it comes as the result of a victory accomplished in the supernatural. Every victory that we see manifest before our physical eyes were victories won in a prayer in heavenly places. And the answer came. And that answer wasn't a small answer because it gave him not only the understanding of the end times that were to come, but it gave him an understanding, a plan, a program for the exodus of Israel from Babylonian captivity. So why do we fast? Let me get into this before I, you know, we're an hour and nine minutes into it. I want to go through reasons that I've written down, seven reasons why we fast. Why do we fast and pray? Number one, we fast because of obedience. Jesus said to fast. He said, can the, bride, can the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? No, but the bridegroom will be taken away one day. In those days, they will fast. The Bible says in Acts chapter 13 that uh, when the early church was praying, ministering unto the Lord, and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, separate unto me Paul and Barnabas for the uh, work unto which I've called them. So you can see that when they were praying and fasting, they were following Christ's, obedience, uh, Christ's commandment to pray and fast. That it didn't just... You know, oh, that was an Old Testament thing. Now that we're in a new covenant, we don't have to fast anymore. No, the early church practiced fasting. Matter of fact, if you read the, I think it's called the Didact. It's the compilation of writings um, from early church fathers. They made a practice, the, uh, the early church, Book of Acts church made a practice of fasting twice a week. Because the uh, Pharisees fasted Mondays and Wednesdays. The early church made it a point to fast I think it was Tuesdays and Thursdays, on purpose. They did it as an act of obedience. They did it uh, as, a, as, a, as a, an act of consecration to God, to set them apart for holy service. Number two, why do we fast? We fast because we can't reproduce Christ's works without duplicating His dedication. If Jesus, the Son of God, fasted and He needed to fast, in order to be used by God, in order for Him to carry power, then obviously we need to fast if we're going to do the works Jesus said we will do and greater works because He said, I'm going to the Father. John 14, 12, the works that you see me do, ye shall do. Well, you can't accomplish greater works without 
following at least the same amount of discipline Jesus followed. Mark chapter 9, listen to this. Listen to this. You cannot reproduce Christ's works and miracles without first duplicating his discipline. Mark chapter 9. And when he had come to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. Immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeted him. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? And one of the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you my son. He has a mute spirit. Wherever it seizes him, it throws him down, foams at the mouth. He gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not do it. And he answered and said, oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Notice how Jesus didn't say, well, that's because, you know, you disciples are trying to do things that only I can do. Notice how he didn't say, well, disciples, you know that there's going to, um, you, you, you uh, pretty much, you, you, you haven't attained, you haven't attained to, uh, to the level of Christ. And so as a result, because you're not Christ, you can't do these things. He didn't say that. He didn't, he didn't say, oh, well, no wonder you couldn't do it. You guys are at a far left, less level than, we, than I am. Man, you're actually foolish to even think you could cast out demons like this. Matter of fact, Mark 3, he had already called his disciples to be dispatched to cast out demons and heal the sick. They already had the authority to do it. The Bible says they failed to deal with this specific case. And they brought the boy to Jesus and when the spirit saw Jesus immediately the spirit convulsed him and he fell to the ground wallowed foaming at the mouth and he asked his father how long has this been happening to him and the father said from childhood he's often thrown him both into the fire and into the water but if you can have if you can do anything have compassion on us and help us Jesus said if I can all things are possible to him that believes immediately the father of the child cried out saying with tears I believe help thou my unbelief when Jesus saw that the people came running together he rebuked the unclean spirit it, saying to it, deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. And the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, came out of him, and he became as one dead, so that many looked and said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, saying, why could we not cast it out? And Jesus said, because I'm the son of God, and you're just disciples, you arrogant, foolish generation. No! This kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. There is a level and a dimension of power in the anointing that you'll never access until you consecrate yourself and dedicate yourself, dedicate yourself to a lifestyle of prayer and fasting. And it's not just, I'm going to pray and fast one day a year. You're not going to carry much power like that. You should set aside and make a schedule, a regular a recurring, maybe in the monthly schedule. For some of you, you can do that. One day a month, three days a month, whatever it is, a schedule of fasting and prayer if you're going to want. You have to do it. You have to implement that. If you're going to walk in the dimension of power that uh, Christ walked in, no doubt you know, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, anointed with the Holy Ghost in power, who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. That power that same holy ghost is in us it's fasting and prayer that pretty much crushes the filter of our flesh so that that power can flow freely th through us and to the people 
An old preacher said it this way. Your flesh is a dog and your spirit man is a dog. Whichever dog you feed the most will, will carry the most amount of power in your life. There's some people, they, they, they feast and feast and feast and never fast. And then they complain why they don't carry power. Why they can't cast out demons. While, the, while devils don't even respect their command. They're saying all the right words. They're using the name of Jesus, but nothing's happening. I was just in Cutsdown, Pennsylvania. During the day, I felt in my spirit to go on a fast. I went on the fast, preaching at night. Get into the, while I'm on the fast, I felt the Lord say to me, um, tonight you will cast out devils. I go to the nighttime service. I'm preaching. Nothing doesn't look like anybody's carrying a demon. They all look like nice people. All of a sudden, a lady's brought to the front to be prayed for. I put my, I just lift my hand towards the, she's a 14-year-old girl. Nice, nice you know, nothing didn't look like there was anything in the outward appearance that would identify her as demonized or whatever. I put my hand towards her immediately. She looks away. Demons will never look at you in the eye. They don't want to look at you in the eye because they see Christ in you and they don't like that. It torments them. It, it literally tortures them. And all I did was say, in the name of Jesus, come out. And she, she literally, in a different voice, Get away from me. Ah, get away from me. Don't come near me. I don't, a nice little 14-year-old girl. Don't come near me. Stay clear from me. I don't want anything to do with you. And she was like trying to take my hand off her, off her head. And I just put my, you know, when you're dealing with something like that, you're not dealing with a sweet girl anymore. You're dealing with a demon and you don't treat them like gentlemen. You have to have a violence and an aggressiveness. In your spirit. And I just put my hand on her. And I said you foul devil. You come out. And then a word of knowledge came on me. Any spirit that came on you as a result of any harassment you experienced when you were a child. Come out now in Jesus name. She falls to the ground. And begins to, to like vomit something out. And she gets back up. They started to pray for her to get filled with the Holy Ghost. She gets back up like 10-15 minutes later. And she's the sweetest girl ever. R Ruth is in the comments right now on Facebook. Praise God, that was my niece. She was there. She stood right next to us as that was happening. God delivered that, that girl right on the spot. She was hearing all kinds of voices all those years as a result of a demon coming on her from childhood because of something she experienced. But you see, God put me on a fast that day so that when I came in contact with that demon power, I, I didn't have to like... I plead the blood. I plead the blood. I plead. The, I didn't. I didn't spend much time with them. People who don't fast spend three hours, five hours, six hours going through all kinds of deliverance sessions, trying to set people free. When you fast and you pray and you carry the same anointing Jesus carried as a result of it, just your word, the command given in faith in the name of Jesus, backed by His blood, is more than enough to destroy every stronghold. Jesus, uh, Isaiah 58, God said, is this not the fast that I have chosen? To break people free from the bonds of wickedness? When you're on a fast, God anoints you to break people free from the strongholds of sin, from the bonds of wickedness. So it's not some eternal battle and seesaw battle between light and darkness. No, light drives darkness out. 
The dominion of light over darkness is instant and unquestionable. It's not some endless battle. It's not warfare. It's not, I plead the blood, I plead the blood, I plead the name, I plead. You're not some broken record. Just one command. When you, see, when people try to sidetrack the command to fast and pray, that's when they get into all kinds of weird demonology theories. Got to go back and do this. You got to, all these hoops that people have to jump through to be delivered. It's not that hard. It's not that hard. He sent his word and it healed them and delivered them out of all darkness. That little girl got up and she is a sweeter. I came, took a picture with her. She's on my Instagram. You can go on it. And I, I, I just wrapped my arm around her, prayed for her to be filled. And I, I guarantee you, she's, she's, um, she was visiting from Puerto Rico. She's going to go back to Puerto Rico and she's going to be a wrecking ball in the hand of God. She's going to be used by God. Just one encounter, one touch. So fasting, you can't do that if you don't take time to fast and pray. You'll never reproduce the work of Christ if you don't duplicate His dedication and consecration. Number three, what does fasting do? It increases our spiritual capacity. That ties into what I just said. Mark 9, why could we not cast it out? This kind comes not out by, by, but by prayer and fasting. He was, it, he was telling... Uh, Ruth said, praise the Lord. She slept like a baby that night and has felt free ever since then. That's amazing. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord. Jesus said, you'll never arrive at a certain level of spiritual power unless you engage in fasting and prayer. That's what he was telling his his disciples, because realize when Jesus, when the demon saw Jesus, the reaction was different. He convulsed and fell to the ground, wallowing and foaming at the mouth. Why? Because he carried power. He fasted. He prayed. And he said, the disciples don't fast yet. They're going to fast one day. But in that day, they should fast if they want to see the same results. So you can say the same prayers, but have different results. They said the same prayers. We cast you out in the name of Jesus. But Jesus had different results. Because he wasn't just in word only, he carried real power to set the captive free. Number four, fasting accelerates and expedites answered prayer. It accelerates answered prayer. Whenever you're, you're praying for something and you seem like it seems like it's not coming, coming to pass, that's not a time to give up. That's not a time to write a book on why sometimes God does not answer your prayers. That's what happens. You have pastors, leaders in the church they don't see an answer to prayer and they literally build this entire doctrine on how, and their whole, their whole book is not, you know, this is what the scripture says and that's why we can sometimes say God does not answer prayer. Their whole book is based on here's what my experience was. I don't care what your experience was if it violates God's integrity in scripture. And so when things don't happen while you're praying, Tie on fasting. Take a day to fast. Take, I'm guaranteeing there's nothing you're facing. No obstacle, no mountain that three days of fasting and prayer can't, can't bring a solution to. David Oyedepo, who has one of the largest church on planet earth today, when he was just starting out and they had like a hundred people and they weren't able to beat past that hundred person mark and it seems like they were doing everything in their own power to try and to grow their church. He went on a three-day prayer and fasting session. Comes down from the mountain that he was praying. As he's coming down, he sees his church in the village that they were at and on top was this dark spiritual cloud over it and the Lord spoke to him and he said, that's what's been, that's what's been uh, preventing 
exponential growth for your ministry. And he said, that dark cloud is what the devil's using to misinterpret what I'm doing in your church and in your ministry. And so he said, command it to leave. So he said, you foul dark cloud, you devil of, 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 of darkness, in the name of Jesus, come off. And the, he saw the cloud just dissipate and just evaporate. Well, from that moment onward, they quickly went to 500. Then they went to 1,000. Then they went to 2,500. Then 5,000, 10,000. Today, they have a church that's 50,000 in capacity, an inside stadium, 50,000, just not a, a football stadium that they rent out. Their church that has 50,000 seats in it with 300,000 people that are in overflow regularly on every Sunday, in every Sunday uh, on every Sunday, they have five services packed every service, 50,000 people, and then with 300,000 outside, and now they're, they just broke ground for a 120,000 seater auditorium. So you, if he had just been a lazy Christian and a lazy pastor and minister, oh, I guess God wants me to have a small church. God doesn't have, you know what? God does have plans for small churches, and his plan is to make them bigger into bigger churches. God's kingdom is built on increase. If there's anything that's disallowing you from increasing, if there's anything that you're facing in life, you've been praying for growth, increase in your business, increase in your ministry, increase in your life, increase in your family, whatever it is in your finances, and you're not seeing the level of increase that you've been praying about, the problem's not in God's court. It's because there are forces at work trying to suppress that increase. But when fasting comes, it blows out those forces. And then like God told Abraham, when I found you, Abraham, you were one person. But remember how greatly I increased him, how greatly I multiplied him. Jeremiah, the Bible says, Jeremiah 30, the scripture says, the voice of those who make merry shall proceed from them and the voice of thanksgiving and I will multiply them and they shall not be few. I will glorify them and they shall not diminish. God does not have a plan for you to, to, to go lower in life. He said, you will be the head always and, always and never the tail. You'll be above always and never beneath. Matter of fact, he said, what eye has not seen, I'm going to cause you to see. What ear has not heard, I'm going to cause you to hear. What has never entered the heart of man, I'm going to do through you. Bible says very clearly, unto him who is able to do far more abundantly all you can ask, think, or imagine according to his power at work in us. David, the scripture says so clearly when he hooked up with God. And he was a man given to fasting and prayer. Psalm says, I give myself to prayer. He said, I have given myself to prayer. And then if you study Psalm 32, Psalm 35, other Psalms, it says that um, I humbled myself with fasting and prayer. David constantly was fasting and prayer. And how did his life turn out? Went from taking care of a few sheep for his father, to, now, to then killing Goliath. Well, first of all, before that, he was Saul's armor bearer. Then he went out to kill Goliath. Then after that, he gets crowned king of Israel. Then after that, he's the one that gets the, the plans and the blueprints for the temple. And uh, the Bible says there was never, never a time where David lost a victory in his entire life. He never lost a battle. He never lost a war. He constantly was winning. He was on a path of total, perpetual, constant triumph. 
because of his devotion to fasting and prayer. You look at Daniel, what fasting and prayer did for him. Broke a whole nation free from the captivity of Babylon. You look at what fasting and prayer did for Paul. He fasted. How do we know he was fasting in prayer? Because the scripture says, Acts 13, they were ministering to the Lord and fasting. Acts 9, the very, time, the very uh, first encounter he had with Jesus. Immediately, he went on a three-day of fasting and prayer. He did actually not only just fasting, he didn't drink or eat anything. He was on a totally dry fast for three days. And the Bible says as a result of that, Saul began to increase in strength daily. He increased in strength daily. And he was confounding the Jews that dwelt at Damascus that Jesus was the Christ. Then you look in Acts chapter 16. The Bible says when he came to a certain town, they said, this man who has turned the whole world upside down has come here. Then you look to Acts chapter 19. Just the handkerchiefs and aprons brought from his body are brought to the sick. And the sick are healed and demons are being cast out. He carried such an overflow of the power of God because of his, give, his life given to fasting and prayer that just the residue of the anointing on his body was healing people and delivering people. Hallelujah. That's right, Jolene. Thank you for reminding me. Esther went on a three-day fast. When Mordecai came to her and said, Haman has a plan to kill every Jew in our nation. And he's not going to spare you when he finds out you're a Jew. What are we to do? You were born for such a time as this. Perhaps if you go before the king, he'll have favor on you. What did Esther do? Well, I guess we can try it. No, she said... You go and fast. Don't eat or drink for three days. I also will go and fast, and I won't eat or drink for three days. And I'll be appear before the king on, on, the, on behalf of the Jewish people. And when she did that, the Bible says the king, or Esther, found favor and grace in the sight of the king. That time she gave to fasting and prayer gave her such favor with God that it overflooded into favor with men. So that the king, if she had come in without an appointment, she even said, I, don't ha I haven't seen the king for an entire month. I don't know when my next appointment is going to be with him. And if, if you came before a king in those days without an appointment, they'd strike you dead. She came in and the, the Bible says the king lowered his staff, which was a staff of approval. It was a staff of acceptance. Pretty much saying, I accept her visit. And, and um, everything she asked the king, the king gave her. That came as a she went on a fast. She didn't go in empty-handed. She didn't just ask God, Lord, give me favor. She secured that favor by engaging this practice and discipline of fasting and prayer. Number five, Revelation. Turn Isaiah 58. Isaiah chapter 58. What does fasting do? Brings you revelation and insight from the word of God. Is this not the fast I have chosen to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens? You know, depression, the Bible calls it the spirit of heaviness. When you go on a fast and you begin to engage God in prayer, in that fast, it'll lift up the spirit of heaviness on you. Fasting will break you free from the yoke of depression, the yoke of anxiety. I don't care what they say. You can explain it in a natural way. It's a lack of chemicals in the brain. You know, whatever. You can explain it. You can, you can talk about the physiology of depression. However, fast uh, depression has a spiritual root. It's a spiritual problem. It's a spirit of heaviness. A spirit of fear that comes to, to lay heavy burdens on people. To make them feel like they're carrying the weight of this world. To stimulate suicidal thoughts and thinking and 
sad thoughts constantly through their mind, running rampant, uncontrolled thoughts and patterns of thinking. The Bible says when you fast, it'll undo those heavy burdens. It'll let the oppressed go free and it'll break every yoke. Then your light, verse 8, will break forth like the morning. Light connotes revelation from the word of God. Prophetic uh, revelation, insight, scriptural insight. If you find that this book is hard to understand and man, I'm looking for, I want to get into the meat of the word of God. I want to press on to higher things. Go on a fast. You'll, You'll start to see things that you've never caught in the word of God starting to highlight to you. Things you never knew. Things that you've heard a lot about, but now it's become real to you. Flesh and blood can't reveal it to you. Only my father who's in heaven. Jesus said that to Peter when he confessed him to be the Christ. There's certain things you can't learn. There's certain things you can't be instructed of, and and, and that's it. There's certain things that need to be caught. There's certain things that need to be drilled in your spirit, embedded within the inner man, tattooed and imprinted on your heart. That's what fasting does. It opens up your eyes to the revelation of the Word of God. Why is it important to have revelation from the Word of God? Because the Bible says, Ephesians 1, that the eyes of your understanding would be open so you can see the surpassing greatness of God's power available to you. When, you, when, when revelation comes, it opens your eyes to what God has done and the Spirit of Christ is the Spirit of, of prophecy. So when we see what Christ has done in times past, we can take that as our own prophecy to what God will do for us in the future and here and, here and now. That's why God wrote this book. It's to show you proof of his past dealings towards men and his integrity. And that when men came to him in faith, he never turned them aside. He never shunned them. He never abandoned them. He never forsook them. He never rebuked them. He always gave them what they asked. And so when you fast and pray, you start to see things from the word of God that you you would have never caught otherwise. Number six, Verse 8 says this, your healing shall spring forth speedily. Fasting produces physical healing in your body. Scientists are finally coming to, uh, finally coming to find that out. They're, they're starting to show people the physical effects of intermittent fasting. That it regenerates cells in you. And it fights cancer cells. And it, it, it actually produces, um, it like gives rest to your intestinal tract, which allows you to like almost reset your intestinal system, your gastrointestinal system, so you can eat better and you can feel better when you eat and you can you can think clearer. It actually it it it, um, it it brings clarity of thought. It helps you in your mental processing of information. That's not something new for God. He said it in Isaiah fifty-eight. Then shall your healing come forth. And spring forth speedily. People eat themselves into a scooter. They never take a day to fast or pray. And then they're struggling. They have diabetes. They have this. They have that. And then they say, well, the Lord, sometimes he gives you sick. He He didn't give you any of that. Your poor eating gave you all of that. You look, I'm telling you, I know many men of God that have given themselves to fasting and prayer. And they lived abnormally long and healthy lives. T.L. Osborne had a full head of brown hair at 92 years old when he died. And he, was, he looked clean. He looked pure. His skin was clean. If you look at the, physical, uh, the physiological effects of fasting, and I have a book um, 
that, I, that, that lists all that out, written by a Christian author, but he, he went into the, the natural effects of fasting. Talks about how like your skin will clear up. Talks about how your, your eyesight actually improves. Talks about how your, your, your breath, after because you know why your breath reeks the first few days of a fast, if you've ever done a prolonged fast more than like 10 days, you'll find out that after 10 days, your breath doesn't smell as bad. Because you, the first few days, you're, you're eliminating all the toxins from your body, literally being almost like gases eliminated from you. And it's your body resetting its system. And then, you know, that's the natural thing, but the spiritual, you know, Isaiah 58 is not just talking about the natural effects of fasting. It's talking about how when you go on a fast and you're praying for your physical healing, I'm telling you, there's nothing, again, nothing that three days of fasting and prayer uh, can't heal from your body. There's nothing. Cancer, depression, you know, a lot of times doctors, and, you know, obviously, I'm not a doctor, don't take my medical advice or whatever consult your physician or whatnot but what i find funny is that when physicians will tell people you can't eat the next two days because of a test that's coming up they'll do it and they, they don't even bat an eye at it but then a preacher says take one day to fast and it's like well my doctor said i can't fast look consult your doctor absolutely i'm not gonna get sued from this but at the same time you're a lot more resilient than you think you are your, your body's a lot more strong and resilient than you think it is People think, well, how can I fast three days? I, I would die. It's actually, you're not going to die. Number seven, and let me get into this. Ezra chapter seven. So fasting will break the chains of sickness off your life. And not only sickness ones, I'm talking about perpetual sicknesses, perpetual diseases, long-standing issues in your body. If you've been praying and asking God to heal you of something that you've had since childhood or whatnot, and it's not left you, try fasting. See how quickly that ugly thing loses its hold on your body. Ezra chapter 7. Listen to this. Ezra chapter 8, sorry. Ezra chapter 8, and beginning with verse 21. Then I, Ezra, proclaimed a fast there at the river of Ahava, that we might humble ourselves before our God to seek from him the right way for us and for our little ones and all our possessions. So Ezra said, I've humbled myself in fasting to seek from God the right way. Are you at a gridlock in life? Are you seeking divine direction? Are you lost and you don't know what to do? Are you faced with a decision you have to make that you need God's counsel? And wisdom on, take time to fast. Ezra received download from heaven, instructions from heaven to know the right way to, to go. For his, the Bible says, for himself, for his children, and for his possessions. Whenever you're faced with a decision to make in life, every major decision that I've ever made in life, whether it be me, be, me getting married, whether it be me going into ministry, whether it be me uh, buying a house, whatever it is, where I'm going to live, I've never done that without taking at least three days to pray and fast about it. And that's a law that I keep. It's a principle, a life principle that I keep. No matter the decision. If I'm looking for divine direction, you remember, God wants to lead you. Don't live life 
just hoping things turn out well. Don't live life just like, well, it seems like a good idea. There's a way that seems right unto men. It's end is the way of death. Be spirit-led. Follow the instructions of the spirit. Jesus said, I don't do anything unless I've seen my father do it. You should have that attitude. I don't go anywhere unless I see my father lead me. David said, the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want. If you're looking for a lack-free place in life where you're not in want, you're not in distress, you're not, you're, 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 you're not in need, commit yourself to following the instructions and direction of the chief shepherd, Jesus Christ. Because he won't lead you into turbulent waters. He'll lead you by still waters and into green pastures. You don't have to live by trial and error. Well, hopefully this is the right choice. Any step that you take that is void of faith, that is void of thus saith the Lord, any step you take in life that you haven't clearly and distinctly heard the Lord say do it is a step that is doomed for destruction. And you're going to live the old hard knock life. But there's another way in life that you can live. Bible says, I have taught them by the right way. Proverbs 4. I have led them in the wise path. When they run, they'll not stumble. When they walk, they will not. They will not grow weary or faint. The Bible says, Oh, had you listened to me, then your peace would have been like a river. Isaiah 48, 17. I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit and leads you in the way that you should go. God wants to teach you to profit in life. He wants to teach you to be the head. Jesus said, come and learn of me. Learn of me. Listen to my instructions. And when you feel like there's a lack of clarity on what God is speaking, or there's a disruption in your antenna, and the transmission from heaven is kind of cloudy. And like a, oh, those old TVs, when you'd go on some channels, it was all just shh, static. Some of you feel that. You feel static in your spirit. You're not, you're not quite sure what God is saying. Go on a fast. Pray. He'll show you the right way. He said, ask of me the old ways wherein the good way lies. And ye shall find rest for your souls. David fasted and prayed. And then inquired of the Lord. And the Lord spoke. Acts 13. They were fasting and praying. And the Lord said. Separate unto me Paul and Barnabas. For the work unto which I have called. Paul and Barnabas not only got received the commission to ministry. They knew exactly where to go. And being sent out by the spirit to Seleucia. Seleucia. You don't have to wander hopelessly in life wondering if you're in the will of God. Find out. Life is not you coming up with something that's worth living for. Life is not determining what you are to do. Life is discovering what God has wired you, programmed you, and put you on this earth to do. And you'll never find more fulfillment in life when you discover that and then walk in light of it. If you're wondering, Lord, what am I to do? Am I called to ministry? Am I fast? He'll clearly lead you. The Bible says there is a spirit in man and it's the breath of the, on the, of the Almighty that will give him understanding. There's a spirit in you. That's where you receive heavenly transmissions for direction. When you fast, 
it clears out the cobwebs. It clears out every... Do you know that if you're in a building, how many of you have ever done this? I've been... My church, I think, has it. I'm not sure. But there's some rooms in my own church that I can't get a clear transmission on my cell phone because they have cell phone blockers or it's like made with concrete, such thick concrete that the, my phone can't receive transmissions from the cell phone towers. Some of us, we've eaten ourselves into... We, we've put so much food in us Never take a day to fast and pray. And now we've clogged up the pipeline by which God sends us clear transmissions and directions from heaven. Hindered clarity. When you fast and pray, it's like it removes the cell phone blockers and all of a sudden, it's not that, you know, fasting doesn't change God. Fasting does not change God. I want you to know that. Fasting is not twisting God's arm to do something and to, God, you need to lead me in this. That's not what fasting does. Fasting benefits me. Fasting benefits you. And it clears out anything, anything that would hinder me hearing God's voice. Jesus said, my, my sheep know my voice and the voice of a stranger they will not follow. God's committed to leading you if you're committed to following him. And God's speaking right now. That's the thing. I don't know if God's speaking to me. I, I don't remember the last time I heard God's voice clearly. I don't remember. I just can't hear God anymore. Fast. He said, my sheep hear my voice. He's speaking. God is always speaking. Especially via his word. When you fast, it removes any obstacle that would keep you from hearing that still small voice. And when the voice of God comes on and you, you obey, you listen to it, the scripture says, those who obey and serve me, they'll spend their days in prosperity and their years in, in pleasure. He'll always lead you forward. God will never lead you backwards. God will never lead you downwards. God will never lead you into a worse state than you are now. He always leads you forward and onward and upward. And that'll be your story in the name of Jesus Christ. So let me just go through an hour and 45 minutes. Time flies. Three different types of fast that I've seen in scripture. Number one is a partial fast, Judges 20. They fasted from morning till evening, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. That is a scripturally acknowledged fast. I'm going through fasts that are found in the Bible. I'm not talking about, I'm fasting. Understand, the word fast in the scriptures is som, T-S-O-M. That word means to cover your mouth, to shut your mouth, to not put food in your mouth. It doesn't, you, I know this is going to irritate some people, but biblically, fasting is not I'm not watching Netflix for a week. You can't fast Netflix. You can't fast cell phones. You cannot fast. I'm not saying that putting those things aside as you fast are a bad, is a bad idea. It's probably a very good idea. But saying I'm fasting technology or I'm fasting chocolate or I'm fasting that, that's not a biblically acknowledged fast. Because if fasting technology was a thing, then the whole world was fasting up until like the 1900s. If fasting TV was a thing, then the whole world's been fasting since ni up until 19, you know, whenever TV came out, 1930 or something, 1940. If, if fasting uh, 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 your iPhone or your computer or your Xbox or whatever is a biblically acknowledged fasting, then we would have been in, the whole world would have been in revival up until all those things came out. So it has nothing to do with, with, uh, don't, don't buy into, North American fasting standards. 
Because I'll tell you something, even what they call the Daniel fast in America, third world countries called feasting. What people call fasting here, third world countries call feasting. Because they go, well, I'm, I'm doing a Daniel fast. Really? Because what you're eating and you're posting every day on Facebook and Instagram looks like something I'd eat not fasting, something I'd order at a restaurant, for goodness sakes. They have Daniel fast cookbooks where, you know, it's really, if you're spending your whole entire day of fasting preparing for that meal and buying ingredients for it and just thinking about how you're going to season it and you're really, you, sh you might as well just eat. You might as well break the fast or at least just say I'm, I'm going on a diet or something because it, it, it kind of irritates me because when, you know, every January it's fasting time across the world. Everyone's doing 21 day fast and all that and they come out posting their Daniel fast pictures and it's like, goodness gracious, that looks great. I almost want to have them send me their cookbook, recipe book when I'm not fasting so I can prepare those things. It, it's, it don't work that way. I'm doing a Daniel fast today, just eating salad. Yeah, you added two gallons of Caesar dressing to that. That's no longer Daniel fast. That's like, you're going to put on weight on that Daniel fast. The amount of calories in that Caesar dressing. I know this is funny. It is funny. But it's true. That's why, I, that's why I'm not even going to mention the Daniel fast in the different kinds of fast. Because Daniel did say, I ate no pleasant food for three weeks. And um, scripturally, you can do it. But the reason why I'm not even going to touch it is because too many people are using Daniel's fast as an excuse to just keep on eating uh, just keep on eating, and, and pretty much just going on like a... a a diet just going on a better diet first of all some people should just go on a daniel fast not even for the purpose of spiritual discipline just because it's a good thing to do to clear out your body but i'm not going to get much into that today number one is partial fast six to six which is during those 12 hours is either liquids you're eating uh, you're drinking or water so liquids could mean coffee people say can i drink coffee while i'm on a fast can i drink orange juice can i do that my opinion Unless you're doing a strict water fast, you can drink whatever you want. Uh, coffee, you know, especially if you work, you kind of need to drink coffee if you're going to like, uh, you know, if you're going to perform at work and stuff. So I'm not, I'm not uptight with all those things. Six to six. Number two is a total fast, which is water and liquids only. So there's, you're not breaking at six, you're going on. Whether it be a one day, two day, three day. Some people ask me, well, how long should I fast? There's no time prescribed in scripture as to how long you should fast. There's no right time. The fact is, is you should fast. So whether that is one day, whether it's six to six, maybe try out six to six one day. If you've never fasted in your entire life, don't try and do 21 days. Don't try and do 40 days. There's a guy at my Bible college when my, um, my mentor, Tiff Shuttlesworth, was at the Bible college in 1980 or 1978, I believe it was. He wanted to outdo Jesus and went on a 50-day fast. And when he broke the fast, he died. He literally died. He tried to do something he had never built himself up to do. First of all, Jesus did 40. Moses did 40. Elijah did 40. What business does anybody have doing more than 40? They're trying to literally flex their spiritual muscles and look how it resulted for him. He literally died. He broke his fast by eating a sandwich and died. His, his body gave out and it, sh it shocked his system. 
So what's the, how, how long? I've, heard, I've seen many people comment how long I should fast. What's the amount of time for fast? What's the proper amount of time to fast? There is no proper amount of time to fast, just that you do fast. And your fast should challenge you. If you're the type of person that doesn't even eat till six regularly, like you just skip breakfast and lunch and you usually only eat uh, supper anyways, then doing a six to six fast might not be the challenge for you. Try doing a full day. Then once you've beat one day, do two days. Once you've beat two days, try and do three days. And you can develop your, your, your ability too fast in prolonged times and then eventually you can do seven day and then shoot for 10 day and then shoot for 14, then shoot for 21. Build yourself up to it. Don't jump in to this long period of ex and extended fast. And num so number two is the total fast, which is water and liquids only. As I said, liquids could be coffee, liquids can be orange juice, liquids can be, um, I wouldn't recommend soft drinks at all, <laughs> fast or no fast, just because there's like 24 grams of sugar, and it literally will trigger a diabetic reaction in you. And I'm not trying to discourage anyone, but it's, it's probably not the best thing to do, especially on a fast. Number three type of fast that I've seen in scripture is the absolute fast. This is a supernatural fast. I do not recommend anybody go on this fast. This is a dry fast. This is no water and no, no, no food. Dry, totally dry. I mean, if you want to try that for one day, be my guest. But I would never recommend anybody do this, especially people that are not called to the ministry. There's no reason to do it. When Moses fasted 40 days without water and without food he was in the presence of god he had the glory of god literally sustaining his body if you get an invitation to go to heaven for 40 days have at it don't drink but you don't um you don't need to uh you don't need to do a fast like that stick with water drink plenty of water on a fast it's another thing I'll say. If you're doing a total fast, a liquids fast, or even six to six partial fast, drink plenty of fluids. Drink water. When you're hungry, drink water. When you're when you're 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 thirst, don't even get to the point of getting thirsty. Constantly be fueling yourself, and you'll find out that the hunger pains won't exactly be as intense or as strong. You will get hungry. I saw someone post on the broadcast at the beginning of this. I get hungry uh, when I fast. I get weak and hungry. I'm. Sad that that's a novelty for you, or that's a newsflash for you. When you fast, you're going to get weak and hungry. That's the whole point of fasting. Every time I fast, I always get hungry. Yeah, that's kind of the point of fasting. But I'll tell you something, especially for those that are trying to do a three or a seven or a ten day fast. After the third day, you kind of lose those hungry hunger pains. For the fourth day, fifth day, you break free from those hunger pains and you start to actually have more energy than when you had. Outside of the fast, that is a phenomenon to me, but it, it's true. Once you break past five days, six days, you start to have energy, man. And when people think that you should be the one, you know, pretty much sleeping all day, just staying in bed and resting, you actually, A, Alan used to do 21-day fasts while he was doing his 21-day crusades, and day 18, he'd be doing chin-ups while everyone was eating breakfast, and it was like a, a, a marvel to the people. But you realize when you actually do that level of a fast, how little. That's why Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So Moses was on an absolute fast. It was a supernatural fast. He's the only one who had a fast like that in the Bible. Jesus did not fast water. He only fasted food. The reason we know that is because when he broke the fast, the, fast, the Bible says that um, after 40 days, he became hungry. Anybody knows the, 
the uh, number one crave or survival thing for man is to drink. Drink. You can go many days without food. You can't go more than three days or four days without water before you drop dead. And so when Jesus broke the fast, the Bible doesn't say after those days he became thirsty. It says after those days he became hungry. And the Bible says he ate no things in those days. So he was on a, on a total fast. He was having, he drank water. I'm pretty sure he didn't have coffee or any other liquids, but he had water for those 40 days. Now moving on to other things. If you're nursing or if you're pregnant, do not fast. If you're a child under the age of, if you're under the age of 18, get your parents' permission. If you're under the age of 12 or 14, absolutely do not fast. 15, do not fast. You pretty much have no requirement to fast until you're 18. And also if you're over the age of 70 or 75, I would say do not it's up to you. If you want to fast, you feel like you're up to it, go ahead and fast. But I don't think God's going to hold it against you if you do not fast. Nursing and pregnant, absolutely do not fast. Do not fast. Don't try and be a, a, a hero. Don't try and be some uh, super spiritual person. You're going to harm your baby. You're going to affect the baby's health and well-being. Do not do it. God's going to understand it. I had someone write to me recently. I... I, I, I have a ministry where I lay hands on the sick and I do deliverances and I'm pregnant with twins. Should I be fasting right now? I feel like if I don't fast, then I'm not going to have the same power that I had when I was fasting. And I told her, you first of all, do not fast. Secondly, God has given you kind of like a period of exemption as you carry these children because your number one ministry is for the child. And then thirdly, that don't let the devil plague your mind with decept, uh, deceitful thoughts making you to think that because you're not fasting, you're no match for him. You're more than a match for the devil based on your authority in Christ and the fact that Christ lives in you and greater is he that's living in you than he that is in the world. So if you have, if you're in one of those categories I just named that you cannot fast, then don't let the devil sow thoughts of condemnation or thoughts of inferiority in you that you're no match for him, that you'll never be able to lay hands on the sick, you'll never have a great ministry, you'll never be able to cast out demons as long as you're not, no. There are people that are exempt from it and just on the basis of the blood and the name, you're more than enough power and because you're exempt, because of your situation, God's, God, God will, um, will overlook that for sure. How to start a fast and end a fast? I mean, if you're going on a prolonged 21 day or more fast, you can ease into it. You know, a couple of days before the fast, maybe not have steaks and red meat. Don't try the night before and just load your face and mouth with everything that you love in life. Donuts, Krispy Kreme, hot dogs, whatever. Filet mignon and lobster and thinking that that's going to sustain you. It's not. You're actually just going to stretch your stomach even more and it's going to have a harder time. Um, you're actually going to have a harder time breaking free from hunger pains after that. Br ease into it. Maybe start doing, uh, you know, legumes, vegetables, tomatoes, apples, fruits, stuff like that. Maybe one or two days before the fast. If you're going to do an extended, if you're doing three days or even seven days, you probably don't have to do that. But if you're going to go 21 days or 30 days or whatnot, uh, broth, you know, anything that's going to pretty much ease you into it. So it's not a shock to your system. How do you end a fast? The same way. Do not, I repeat, end your fast by going to your favorite pizza shop and ordering three extra larges 
eat extra large pizzas that are cheese only and it's just bombarding your system first of all it's not right you really haven't learned anything from the fast because you've you've reverted to gluttony secondly you're gonna shock your body and all the physical benefits you just receive from going on that fast and all the toxins and all the 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 physical effects of that fast are going out the door you're wasting it all in one meal treat your body well it's the temple of the holy ghost if i were to have a house on earth and the holy spirit said i'm going to live there can you prepare it for me i wouldn't like you know put some hard bed in it have the paintings on the wall kind of crooked and just treat it like it's you know, it's not that important. I'd make sure that everything in that house was luxury. Everything in that house was good. Everything in that house was first class, five star, and everything was perfect and intact because that's the place where the Holy Spirit said he wants to live. Well, the Bible says you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Make sure you treat your, your body well. Make sure you treat the temple of God well because that's where he lives. How long should I fast? I talked about that. There's no period of time. Ask the Lord what he'd have you do and do it. The important thing is that you do fast and that it's challenging. What to do during fast? Very important. Set time to pray. Don't just fast to fast, like I said, to have some religious diet. Fast and set time. Schedule time out of your day to pray. And I say this, if you're not fast, if you're not praying for at least at least an hour a day when you're fasting. You got to question your motives for that fast and if you're really serious about the fast. And you can split it up. Do half an hour in the morning, half an hour at night, whatever. Jesus turned to the disciples and said, could you not stay up with me one hour? Could you not keep with me one hour? Watch and pray. For the flesh is weak, the spirit is willing. Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. Jesus said pretty much the bare minimum in prayer was one hour for his disciples. Could you not stay up with me one hour? So when you're fasting, I would say the bare minimum is, is to fast, uh, is to pray one hour. Set one hour, whether it's four 15-minute sessions throughout the day, whatever. Just do it. Can I fast if I'm 17? Ask your parents. Under 18, you clear it with your parents. If they say sure, then go ahead. Set time to pray. And then I'll say set time to read your word. Because first of all, your fuel in prayer is going to be backed by the word. Your ammunition in prayer is the word of God. If you don't have the word in you, then your prayers are just hopeful thoughts that you're just throwing up hoping something sticks. But when you have the word of God in you, then you're making requests based on what he's already made known to us. Remember, the Bible says, the things which are hidden belong to the Lord our God, but those things which he's revealed from his word belong to the children of men. This is a revelation of what God wants to do for you and in you and through you. So don't just set time to pray and just pray anything. Set time to pray and read. And what you're reading, ask God to speak to you. And he'll show you great and mighty things which you know not of. Number three, set goals and objectives for that fast. Don't just 
fast to fast and pray to pray just to do keep up time and 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 have some religious exercise you're doing set a goal set an objective i'm fasting for this i'm fasting for my family i'm fasting for my health i'm fasting for breakthrough i'm fasting for this ministry i'm fasting for more souls one i'm fasting to carry more power i'm fasting to subdue this in the flesh i'm i'm fasting to break free from this habit and sin i'm fasting for this there should be a specific Jesus told that man that was, uh, that was blind and brought to him, and he said, what do you want me to do for you? When you're fasting, you should have something in mind. What do you want God to accomplish in you and through you for this fast? Have goals and an objective. Set a target for you to hit. And then number four, I'll say limit social media and limit... Um, Limit TV and, and technology. I'm not saying don't do it. I, I do it. I, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be on my phone. I'll, I'll watch a show if I like at night before I go to bed or what. You know, something that makes me laugh. But you should, it shouldn't be you binge watching Netflix for seven days straight, waking up at 3 p.m., going to bed at 3 a.m. where you're just, you're, you know, you're just binge watching Netflix, staying up on YouTube and just, you know, going down the trail of the recommended for you list on YouTube. Should be setting yourself apart, consecrating yourself, and uh, limiting interaction, even with the world for the time being. You're setting yourself apart. You're consecrating yourself. Joel says, set yourself apart. Consecrate yourselves to me and rend me your hearts and not your garments. So your heart should be in it. What if I mess up? And I wanted to finish with this. What if you mess up your fast? What if you start something and then you end up breaking it? Or you realize, man, I haven't followed anything this guy said today. Or you, you, you go in and day one, 6 p.m. comes around, you were wanting to do two days and you just couldn't, you just broke your fast and now you're discouraged, you never want to fast again. No, just pick up. If you broke it, I had that happen to me once. I was doing a 14-day or 15-day fast and day seven, I, got, I don't know what happened, I felt hungry. For some reason, I, I honestly didn't feel like I was going to make it. Obviously, it was a lie. I would have made it. I didn't know what I knew today. So what I did was I just, I, I ate a very small meal. And then I went back on the fast the next day. And I finished the entire fast. I went on another seven or eight days. And I didn't beat myself up for it. I didn't soak in condemnation. I didn't, I didn't let the enemy come and accuse me. Oh, you know, you think any of those prayers you prayed the first seven days will be hurt? No. God's not some religious pharisee in heaven oh oh you know when you were brushing your teeth today some toothpaste got into it so you think this fast is anything no that's not how the fact is is that you're fasting the fact is you're rendering to god your heart the fact is is you're approaching the bible says who is he who has approached me with all his heart you're coming before him with desperation setting the plate aside saying lord i need this to happen in my life. Father, I need breakthrough in this area of need. And I'm more hungry for your intervention than I am for food. And I'm showing you that by setting the plate aside for these days. And in the name of Jesus Christ, I'm approaching with boldness, knowing that you are a very present help in time of trouble. And the Bible says he sits on the throne of grace and mercy so that we can obtain mercy and find grace to time in, in times of need i'm doing this because i know there's grace to help me i'm doing this because i know there's that things are going to change i'm doing this because i serve the god of turnaround 
And I will not be disappointed. I hope this helped you today. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name that a grace would be released on everyone that's watching right now. Those that fall into the category of those that can fast. In whatever capacity that they choose to do and that you lead them to do it. Let grace be released in their spirits to follow through. In Jesus' name. Let a hunger be generated in their hearts that would far exceed any natural hunger or anything in this world. That would drive them like the Spirit drove Jesus to the wilderness to fast. That it would drive them to fast, to retain and secure atomic power with you so that our lives would be different, that our lives would look different, that our stories would be different, that there'd be something on us that would mark us and distinguish us in our generation, that we wouldn't waste our life and years of living here on earth, but that we would maximize our potential on the earth to do a great work for you. And work while it is yet day, for night comes when no man can work. In Jesus' name, amen. Stay connected with us by visiting us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching at TJ Malkanji. Or visit us online, www.salvationnow.ca. God bless you, and until next time.